I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest fangirl radio episode my name is jessica dwyer and joining me tonight is mr eric smith hello took him a second to wake up (laughs) um but uh this episode tonight is going to be a really special one um we are going to pay homage to two greats that we just lost um, that really hit me personally very hard. Um, the first is going to be Angus Scrim, who many of you will know as the tall man from Phantasm. Um, and the second, of course, is the late great icon of film and music and art. Just everything. Just everything. He was all things. <laughs> the icon um, of everything. He was. Um, Mr. David Bowie, and um, we will be uh, joined in that by our interview for tonight, which is a a wonderful female artist um, and author herself, um, Jessica McHugh, and hopefully that won't confuse Eric too much of having two Jessicas on. Both of us, I think, are redheads now. You can never have too much, Jessica. There's never too many. Um, but first, before we go into our Angus Scrim um, discussion and tribute, uh, I had a couple of things in the Week in Geek to go over. Um, and one actually just was announced as of this recording, um, and we're recording on uh, the 13th of January, and that is uh, Heroes Reborn. Um, can I use the word aborted? that sure <laughs> heroes reborn has been aborted um they are not going to do a second season of the show it is canceled um if you go though by what is being told um during the the cable um i think it's the T- the tca press tour if you go by what they were saying um the head of nbc there they never planned on doing more than one season but you can't tell me they didn't the way they pimp this and and had it just blasted all over Comic-Con and and heavily advertised that they were planning on doing only one season of it. But I only made it through part of the first episode. I was so bored. You know, uh, I saw teasers for it on TV. I never really saw a real commercial that told me anything about what this new heroes was going to be. There was somebody that turned on the Northern um, lights. That's all I saw. And then, and then it just sort of disappeared, at least from, from my radar. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you exactly when it started or 
how long it lasted. And I had planned on on taking a look at it, but it just dropped off the radar so quickly. It did, um, and which is weird because they they advertised the hell out of it before it started, and then when it started, it kind of just went blah. And I really, I tried liking it, but honestly, I could only make it through part of the first episode. I really just didn't care. And I don't know why. It just, it just felt weird and out of weird. Just didn't know what it was doing in that first episode. And I just didn't have anybody in it that I cared enough to follow. Like HRG um, from the original series was like the main character in this. And interesting. And typically I would be really down with that, but I just, it didn't do anything for me. And apparently it didn't do a lot for anybody else either. So, um, which is sad because, um, but at the same time, uh, Zachary Levi, I think it was, um, was in this as well. He had said that he only was signed for one season. So maybe there is some truth to that, but, I just, I, 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 uh, eh. well, I, I wonder, and I, and I have no actual idea, but I, I wonder if people were less inclined to watch this because there are, some, there are real, I'm doing air quotes here, real comic book shows on TV now. That's a good point. And I think you have something there because why go for these not, you know, no name heroes that they've got in this. Cause they didn't even have, uh, I think like they only had one or two characters at most from the original run, like no Peter Petrelli. There was no Nathan Petrelli. Um, Nathan Petrelli is actually on agents of shield now. Right. Um, so they didn't get really, they got hero back fan service, mm-hmm. you know, and, but really there was nothing to it now. Um, kind of moving on to, and I, I, that's a very good point. I think you nailed it, really, um, because there's already the real and well done series, you mm-hmm. know. And also, I think that the last couple of seasons of Heroes, the last three seasons, were so bad <laughs> that people still feel it yeah. and just didn't have the faith in the show. Um, but moving on to other superheroes, and I'm sure this is making Eric do a little happy dance. The official rating has come from the MPAA for Deadpool. Woo-hoo. And it is rated R for Ryan oh, Reynolds. Oh. <laughs> Can't wait. Double That's... R. Double R. <laughs> yeah, ever since uh, Star Wars came out on December 18th, from that moment on, it was the discussion has always been, oh, Deadpool's the next big movie coming out. We, that's what we're waiting for. We've seen Star Wars, and of course, we all want to see it again and again and again, but Deadpool's the next big one. Deadpool is my Valentine's and Day movie. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, my God. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Um, as and long as it's not green and animated. Yeah. Well, and what's so funny about it is they're doing these amazing ads for this now. And they have, like, the the faux romantic. Yes. <laughs> and then they have the one with the emojis. That I was I, just going to ask if you'd seen that one. That is just fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, like, looking at it like, oh, they really did that. And you can't say anything about the poo because the poo is everywhere. 
<laughs> so what can you say? It, it's just brilliant. Um, so yay, Deadpool is definitely rated R, which there was no doubt in my mind after seeing some of the stuff and seeing just just the shit that Ryan Reynolds is doing just to do advertising for it, what he's doing. Can't wait. Oh God, it's going to be so good. Um, so another superhero film that uh, a lot of people are, are hoping for, I, I'm kind of trying to f- real, figure out if I want to flip this. I think I'm going to flip this and I'm going to do this one first. Um, they're connected. And that is there's an uh, information on um, Batman v Superman. And we have another villain added because, you know, <laughs> we need... More than one villain is really what hero movies need, right? Because that never fails. Oh, that's the worst. Never fails, does it? Like, let me think. Hmm. What movies had more than one villain? Spider-Man 3. <clears throat> there, there's a good one. There's a good choice. Good choice. And then we had, oh, I don't know, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's some tasty poop. Yeah. Um. So now we're going to have officially three no wait one two yes three three bad guys in batman v superman and one of them is of course doomsday mm-hmm. the other is lex luthor which i actually they have the toys in at my local walmart and um he is going to oh they he i think is going to be wearing a suit i think I think that's going to happen. But I also had a spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear this, step away for a moment. One of the toys of Batman had what looked to be kryptonite-laced gauntlets. Well, I heard uh, that there's the one of the toys is Lex Luthor in the armor. Yes, yeah. And, you know... Is I have to question whether or not that's an official movie, officially from the movie, because they do have well alternate it's, it's, figures. Even when it's a movie set, they will occasionally have the alternate figures. So I'm kind of hoping. I think it's that maybe happen. that's oh. fake Jesse Eisenberg head peeking out of this giant armor. Um, but yeah, but this is this is the big one that everyone. I I'm I just I was I, my my care is so going away. Just care the care is slipping. What little care I had. Um, but now we have Bizarro is happening. Wait, Which, it's that was rumored, and now it's apparently happening. Um, that's yeah. Why? 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 You know, I liked Man of Steel. I've said that before. I actually like that movie. I was looking forward to this. I think Ben Affleck looks good. Um, I like Henry Cavill. The only thing I have not liked in the trailers that I have seen has been uh, Lex Luthor, the way uh, he's been portrayed by Jesse Eisenberg. Although, again, that's just trailers, and maybe he'll be better as a whole in the movie. But now, just hearing this news, you don't need all of this. I mean, it's first of all, it's Batman v Superman. That should be, that should be the it. main thrust that of should, the movie. You don't need anything and, else. And to the people that say, I've actually heard people say that one of the ways the, the trailers have spoiled the movie is because it shows that Batman and Superman start working together. Who doesn't? expect that by the end of the movie they're going to be working together that's ridiculous but 
fine. It should be it's Batman v Superman. That should be the main conflict. You don't need all of these villains. And plus, again, Wonder Woman, and we're supposed to have Aquaman. And are they still talking about Cyborg and all the other Justice League people well, showing th- up at some point? I think the only one you're going to have show up is Aquaman. Now, what they're saying is Dawn of Justice is going to have him show up. Lex Luthor is going to. This kind of feeds into that theory that I would have enjoyed seeing that no one else apparently would have. Um, <laughs> no. except, well, Carl didn't want to see this. Carl thought this was a lame theory. I, on the other hand, thought this would be a great. I would have watched this movie and, and enjoyed it. But that theory that they had of of um, the, that the fake Batman and and all of that, but never going to happen. No, but it would have been freaking awesome. Um, but no, what we're going to get is in this movie, um, he's actually going to be using the Zod DNA again. So poor Zod's body is just going to get disharvested. <laughs> and apparently they're going to tease it at the end that Bizarro is going to happen um, from that Superman DNA. Well, just a tease isn't bad. And that's the the retconned Bizarro was uh, if a failed clone of Superman, um, right? Nineties. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I, I, I'm not one of those people that can just pull the dates out. But um, after Man of Steel, the comic book, the the new Bizarro was was a failed clone because they couldn't get it quite right. Right. Uh, so if they just tease him, I don't mind that. I don't want to see him as. One, you know, I don't want a, a Green Goblin, Sandman, Venom situation. Yeah, well, the thing on. is, I hope to God they don't have him pop up at the end or something like be, I don't know. I This movie well, is already sounding so convoluted, so just the fact that their trailer just showed everything. There's no surprise there now. And I just, I... I I don't my 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 care level is a spiraling downward. Now the only thing, and this is what's so funny to me, the one thing that is making me like be hopeful is Jason Momoa's Aquaman. <laughs> who would have thought like Batman? Who would have thought Aquaman would make would have would have ousted Batman in my mind of being the badass? But Momoa as Aquaman works. It works, and he looks fantastic. He does look great. And so um, the other piece of news that came out today um, that is tied to this is that they, um, you know, they are, of course, making an Aquaman movie. And um, what I loved, uh, this, uh, a lot of people were like, is Mira going to be in it? Is Mira going to be in it? Apparently, Mira is going to be in it, and the, the, the uh, actress that they've cast, it looks like, or is in talks the, of the front runner. The front runner is Amber Heard. Yeah, that's what I just saw today. Who looks like her? I can totally, I can totally see it. I can see it. Uh, what I do you think, sir. I like her in the the few things that I've seen her in. Um, I, I love her in Drive Angry. I just, I was going to mention Drive Angry, which <laughs> is one of my guilty pleasure movies. That movie's I mean, great. It, I lo- absolutely love that, although Michael Fichter is my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> um, but I absolutely love that that horrible, horrible movie. Um, it's, it's not horrible. It's, it's awesome. It's, 
It, it, it yeah, it's not as bad as a lot of stuff, but it's not a great. You know, it's 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 not a work of art or anything, but it's well, so the, much fun. I it's just it. pure fun. I will defend it with my dying breath. <laughs> oh, I will. T- I own it. I bought it on Blu-ray. Oh, I have um, Blu-ray too. And then all the boys love Mandy Lane, um, which I just watched uh, in October in my my one horror movie every day in October. That was one of the first ones that I watched. And I thought she was fantastic in that. You've seen that, haven't you? I've heard I haven't had a chance to actually watch it yet. Oh, I really liked it. Really, really liked it. That's, was really that's on well my done. list because I know I've heard nothing but good about it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those I had picked it up as soon as it came out on Blu-ray and then didn't watch it until this past October. <laughs> Just because I have so much to do and so many things to watch. And so um, – but yeah, so I, was, I really like her in Drive Angry. I really like her in All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Um, if I've seen her in anything else – which is possible. I'm sure I liked her in that too. So uh, just give her some red hair and we'll be all set and for she, her to play Mira. Yeah, I think it'll be funny too because, you know, she's married to Johnny Depp. And I'm like, hey, see if you can finally get him in a comic book movie. Talk him into it. I don't get know. Why- to play Black Manta. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good as, as one. Long as- as long as he plays it straight. Or Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate would be good too. Yeah, but I don't think I, I don't think of Dr. Fate in an Aquaman movie. No, but Black Manta's a good one. Put him in put him in the uh Dark Justice or whatever they're calling that that movie if you want him to play Dr. Fate. Ooh. Is uh, that what it's called? I Dark need... Justice? The yeah, the that... um the, the Justice League Dark. Justice League. Dark. If that okay. actually happens, I don't know if right. it, I. You know what would be my crack is if if you get him in there as as either um this, what is it this is it, who is that in there is it um the guy with the um it's not the question, but he's got that old school suit, huh? I'm trying. Oh, to, Phantom Stranger. Phantom Stranger. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it. Get him oh. as, and and then have Doug Jones be Dead Man and I and and then bring back. Oh yeah, that's and, a good choice. No, he wants to play it. That's one of his dreams. And nice. then and then have um the guy come back as Constantine. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan come back as Constantine. Oh God, look at look at us doing casting. We're good. <laughs> and then um, who could play Zatanna? Who could play her? Um, Marina Bakarin or Bakarin or how? Oh you my God! There you go. And she's already in a DC property, so we can totally use that. Oh, there you go. We cast it. She's we... in a Marvel property. She's in Gotham. What is she? Oh, that's right. Sorry, I try to. <laughs> you I can't... try to forget that that exists. It's still there. It's not going anywhere. Uh, who, can... who else? Who else did we need to cast in that? I think that's almost everybody, right? Something. Are you gonna have the demon Etrigan? Um, which you also need Jason Blood for because mm-hmm. he's the two parts. Um, what I want to see, though, and it, my favorite moment with the Phantom Stranger, um, in the issue of Hellblazer, when Constantine turns 40, <laughs> did you read that? No. <laughs> um, there's a big party with all basically the magic users of the DC Universe show up. Swamp Thing shows up and grows them a pot plant. Oh, my God. Smoke. And so, of course, Constantine is drunk and he's high and he goes outside and he's taking a piss in the alley 
and Phantom Stranger just appears next to him, and Constantine turns and basically just pisses all over the Phantom Stranger's shoes. <laughs> and I, that's the one thing I immediately go to when I hear about when I hear Phantom Stranger. Um, <laughs> the second thing is books of magic, but yeah. that's the first thing is just Constantine taking a piss on his shoes. That's funny. So um, we're going to continue comic book wise here. And um, I, I had to bring this up um, just because I know Eric's kind of go either be very happy or be very pissed. <laughs> but uh, it sounds like and this I'm actually excited. I think I think this has hope. This has hope for this poor character that was so screwed over. Um, apparently, Legends of Tomorrow is going to have Jonah Hex in it. That could be sweet. I've always been a Jonah Hex fan. I, and I think it, he deserves better than what he's been given. And uh, according to what they've released is that they're going to go into the Old West. So they're... Um, well, yeah, if they're traveling through time, yeah. why not? Yeah, so they're going into the Old West and they're going to um, include Jonah Hex. There's no word yet on uh, casting. Um. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do with this and see who they cast as him. So let's we'll see what happens. You know who might be good. Well, I guess he's too old now. Maybe is Richard Dean Anderson, but I think he might be too old. Yeah, he's. I mean, I've he's always been sort of a, a an older Clint Eastwood type of character in yeah. in, in my eyes. So um, that might work. Yeah. I can see Richard Dean Anderson doing it. Yeah, I also remember when he was in that series. Um, uh, shoot, was it Legend? Was that it? What was that show that he did with John Delancey? I think it was Legend. That's I'm drawing a blank. Now I got to look it up. Pardon my <laughs> typing. Now it's going to bug me if I don't find it out. Hold on. Legends, it was. It was called. Well, there you go. How much better do you need than that? <laughs> okay. So there you go. I found you, Richard Dean Anderson. We continue our, our run of, of casting films for you, DC. So, Are you paying attention, Hollywood? No one cares about us. No one cares. Um, <laughs> we have our finger on the pulse. Yeah, exactly. So really quickly, I just wanted to bring this up, and then um, we're going to turn to our Ingus Scrim tribute um, and discussion. Uh, apparently, if you are a member, this is actually worth it. Amazon Prime is really trying to win you guys over. Um, I have Amazon Prime. It's worth worth every penny because of all the shows that you can watch on it that, that you can't find anywhere else. Um, I love Mozart in the Jungle, and um, it actually just won a couple of Golden Globe Awards. Um, they have Bosch on there as well and uh, Transparents on there. But not just that. You have all other free movies and series that you can watch. Um, you have the free shipping, which is amazing. But uh, you also will now be able to get 20% off all physical video games when you're ordered or purchased within the first two weeks of the game's release. So 20% off physical media for games, for consoles, handhelds, and PCs. Not and bad. That is pretty damn good. Plus, you get the free shipping. So that's, that's 
amazing. I, I mean, they're going out of their way to kill GameStop with that. <laughs> that and Best Buy, I think, too. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Amazon Prime will um, be giving you 20% off all physical video games. So, within the first two weeks. So, you don't have to rush out and immediately buy it either, which is pretty awesome. And considering the cost of video games nowadays, 20% is pretty good. 60 bucks um, a yeah. pop. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. All right, guys. So we're going to talk about one of our icons that we lost. And I'm, I'm, I'm very sad about this because I, I actually got to meet this man. He was at my first horror convention that I ever went to. And that was in New York at the Fangoria Weekend of Horrors. And I believe it was in 1989. So I was 14, 14 years old. (laughs) Scarily enough, Doug Bradley remembered that convention and every detail about it when I met him. Because that was a show that, this was a show back when Fango put on these shows back in the 80s and 90s. They were events. Um, This convention had Robert England, Clive Barker, um, Doug Bradley, Tony Todd. Was Tony Todd at this one? No, Tony Todd wasn't at this one. He was at the one in Chicago. Um, but you had, like, the icons at this show. Um, Forrest J. Ackerman and Zachary were there. And then there was Angus Scrim. And I, uh, I wrote a, a eulogy for him on the Screams Quarterly website um, that uh, talked about this story. But I'm going to repeat it here. And then I'm going to let Eric talk because I'm sure he's a Phantasm fan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Angus Scrim, Tony, um, Tony Timpone wrote a piece and I actually saw one of the pictures on it, um, that he posted on Fangoria. And that picture was from that com that I was at. Cause I remember Tony's suit. It was also the first time I got to meet Tony Timpone and, uh, Angus Scrim was, I have not heard a bad word said about this man. And I know everyone's going to talk about Phantasm and how he creeped them out and everything, but I, I just had to talk about how nice and sweet and, and, and just a doll the man himself was. Because it always, it always feeds into my, my philosophy that the badder the bad guy, the better the man. You know, the, emo, the most evil bad guy in a movie is going to end up being the nicest person you'll ever meet and um doug jones is another example of that but angus scrim was like the epitome of it and i'll never forget i was 14 at this show and i had just seen his his comedy movie um the the transylvania twist one which was i now know is on dvd and i'm going to buy because i i've been looking for it forever um but i loved it i loved him as the the tall man you know i was there primarily for freddy krueger but this was the tall man this guy came before freddy krueger he came before all of them um and he was just scared i I remember phantasm making me just terrified as a child because i saw really young i was five when it came out (laughs) and i saw it only a few years after that so i saw it really way too young um but I went up to him and I talked to him and it was me and a, a group of people. And he, and I didn't get to get up to him before they had moved him away and they were like shoving him away and telling him he needed to go. And so he kind of like led us over to a corner and we were all talking to him. And, um, 
you know, I just talked to him about the Transylvania Twist movie, and he was so thrilled that I loved him in a comedy because he always wanted to do comedy. He was a big thing with him. And he never got really a chance to do it, except for like that film and a couple of others. And then uh, what I call them seat Nazis or um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the con Nazi came over and she told him and us, she actually told us, you all need to go now. You need to leave. You need to go away, you know, telling us that we needed to leave. And Angus Scrim looked at her and went to the effect of, these people came here to see me and they're going to see me. You need to leave. Nice. And she cowered down and walked away. Cause what are you going to say to the, th- the tall man? Are you going to, are you going to contradict him? <laughs> Did he say, girl, <laughs> I would have pissed myself. <laughs> and she probably would have too. Um, but it was fantastic to see a guy and know afterward after everything I've read about him um, that that was who he was. He did this for the fans and he just, he didn't care. That was who he was there for. And he just up until the end, even he was doing events and um, making appearances and filming because the new phantasm movie is coming out very soon and uh, ravager. And I believe he is in it. He's in that film. And he was just in John Dies at the end with Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. And he was great in that, too. But, I mean, he's in so many movies. And, and the one that I always loved, too, was um, when he did Subspecies. And he played Radu's father in that. And then he showed up in Mind Warp in the first um, movie opposite uh, Bruce Campbell that Fangoria did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a ton of horror films. and But the man was just a, a class act. Uh, just a class act. And uh, it's it's really sad. I mean, he lived a very long life and he lived a great life. But it's just, you know, it's one of those things where an icon's gone and you can't help but think that you're never going to replace that man. No one else can be the tall man. Just can't. <laughs> just cannot. So I'll hand it over to Eric. All right. Well, of course, the tall man is what everyone's going to remember um, in the Phantasm films. That's... You know, Robert England will always be Freddy Krueger. Um, Angus Scrim will always be the tall man to to most people, to horror fans. Uh, but I was looking over his IMDb page, and he did, relatively speaking, quite a bit of TV. Um, I just saw that he was in six episodes of Alias. Yep. And way back in the day, he was on Quincy. I know. <laughs> um, well, you're pulling him out, man. Yeah, and... <laughs> Uh, the one TV show that I really, really, really have always wanted to see, um, because it's an American version based on a wonderful British show and that's coupling. And I don't even think that lasted two episodes. Oh God, no. Uh, the, the Stephen Moffat, the original version is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And I want to see the, the American version, however many episodes there are, but he was in that an episode of that. Um, but the thing that excited me, because uh, generally I just knew him as the tall man, but when Masters of Horror came out, oh yeah, the very first episode I was excited about anyway because it was Incident on and Off a Mountain Road based on the Joe Lansdale short story. Mm-hmm. And Joe Lansdale, one of my favorite authors of all time. Um, 
So I was very excited for that. And then to see that Angus Scrim was going to be in it, it was just icing on the cake. Um, and even though he only had a, a small part, I think there's only like three people, well, maybe four in the whole movie or show. Um, and he only had a small part. He just brought so much to it and uh, really played a different character than the tall man. Absolutely. Um different than the tall man and it, it was just it was always he was one of those people it was it was always a nice surprise to see that he was in something um if you didn't already know he was going to be in it of course <laughs> so whether it was a tv show or a movie that you didn't know he was in you, you, I, you just see his name in the credits or you see him appear on screen and it's just like oh wow he's in this that's awesome this movie just or tv show just became that much better well, I know that he, um, the other one that I remember him being in that I was, I was just thrilled to see him in was uh, Vampirella. Oh, yeah. yeah. He yeah. played her father, which was really cool. <laughs> Such a horrible, horrible movie. But just neat. But, but, you know, the thing is, even though he knew, like, if stuff was bad that he was in, mm-hmm. that wasn't high end, he's one of those guys, you know, that raises the material up just because he was such a, a presence and a professional. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Even with a, a movie as bad as Vampirella, you're just happy to see that he's in it. Exactly. You know, and then he was on I Sell the Dead, too. Um, right. Which was really neat and funny that he would be in that film. <laughs> and, you know, movies like Chopping Mall. Yeah. Just he was he was doing all sorts of stuff. And it's. To me, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, on the one hand, it's kind of great that he'll always be remembered as the tall man. Right. And he's got that legacy. But on the other hand, you know, I kind of wish that he was at least outside the horror community or his outside of his big fans. I, I wish he was more well-known for all of the other things that he did. Right. Um, well, well, like the fact that he was a Grammy winner. You know, I, I was doing research on him when he uh, before this and and just wanting to know a little bit more about him because everyone, like you said, thinks of him as a horror icon, which he is. And he was happy with that. He was happy. He liked being compared to Boris Karloff. And that's pretty amazing. But like he worked with Ray Bradbury in theater. That's mm-hmm. another thing people don't realize. And it's kind of neat how he was connected like Vampirella was was created by Forrest J. Ackerman and Forrest J. Ackerman and Bray Bradbury. And then you have Angus Scrim. It's like all of these icons were somehow connected. And that's really amazing. But he wrote also, he was a writer and he wrote, um, he actually did an article for um, when they did uh, Mind Warp. And uh, Tony talked about this, that Angus did a diary on set and they published it in the magazine um, but he wrote a ton of things like he wrote for periodicals and magazines. And he also, like I said, won a Grammy for writing liner notes for back in the day when he when he was in the record industry because he could sing, too. I don't know if you knew that. Well, he had a hell of a voice. Yeah. Boy. He... <laughs> but it's it's, just, you know, it's one of those things. It's it, he just had a lot of history behind him. And and uh, it just. You know, we're losing so many. And it's always sad, and I always want to take a moment to appreciate them. 
um, and, and, you know, do, do a, a tribute to these icons as we lose them because they're it. Well, and, you know, I don't want to bring things down even more, but are we gaining any really? Can you think of any? None that can have that. Pre- I, I, have, I don't know of anybody that could equal the presence of someone like him. But we had, you know, way back in the day, of course, you had the huge name. You had the Boris Karloff and um, Bella Lugosi and Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, uh, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr., um, all those guys. And then we we have our Robert Englands and uh, Gunnar Hansen right. and those from sort of the 80s and, and Angus Scrim. Who do we have now? Anybody? Crickets. <laughs> um, crickets. crickets. I mean, you know, even how many? There are what five scream movies? Well, the problem there is they keep changing who the killer is. Yeah, but yeah, I guess that's that was a bad example. I was trying to think of, but is is it even the actual actor in the no in the suit and, until they take the mask off? It's not. You know, so. What it's, other characters are there that have come up? And that's that's a point. You know, you can't match these guys. And these actors are so tied to the role. I mean, Leatherface, they have different actors, but everyone always associates Gunnar Hansen. Yeah. And it's just, you know. And, I, and I'm not saying there isn't anyone capable of doing it. We just don't seem to be doing it. We don't try. You know, because the problem is people would rather recreate or sequel the hell out of crap that we already have that no like uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna pull this example which is like paranormal activity mm-hmm. you're going to have there's no real bad guy in that and there's right and there's no real connection to any recurring character i mean they have katie but you know, who cares well isn't it the same demon in all of them yeah but it's but sort it's of, sort kind of a of, presence than an actual physical. Yeah. We so, don't we don't have the monsters like we used to. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, I'm going to bring <laughs> on our special guest tonight, and then um, we're going to talk with her a little bit about this, about her work, and then we will finish the episode with a tribute to the man, the legend, the alien, uh, David Bowie. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in Jessica McHugh right now. But we were having a discussion about um, we're finishing up our Angus Scrim discussion, actually. Okay. And um, even though I know you don't know um, that much about Phantasm, but this is something I think it'd be interesting to get your take on where we kind of went with this, which is um, uh, what we were talking about before we, came, we brought you on was the fact that we're losing these icons of, of horror cinema. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, these actors such as Angus Scrim with his tall man portrayal or Robert England, who thank God hasn't passed or anything. But you have whenever you think of Freddy Krueger, your brain automatically thinks Robert England. Oh, absolutely. And um, it's like with Gunnar Hansen, who we just mm-hmm. pr- recently lost your brain. Whenever you think Leatherface, even though there's been multiple actors that have played it, you go to Gunnar Hansen. I mean, absolutely. that's. So we were discussing the fact that what, who do we have now that, and, and there doesn't really seem to be anything 
or anyone mm. like that? Yeah, that's a tough one. Cause yeah, I mean, was there ever, is there an iconic Jason actor? A Kane Hodder. Kane oh. Hodder's the closest and he only played him what, three times out yeah. of how many movies? Yeah. 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 Well, well, and that's the thing that I brought up in my in in my um, eulogy that I wrote for him um, was the difference with the tall man was he talked. That's the same difference that you have right. with um, with Freddy Krueger. But with the tall man, it was even more his presence because he didn't talk that often. But it, it's one of those things. It's like it seems like we don't have these icons anymore. And like even with Dracula, your brain automatically will go to Christopher Lee. Mm -hmm. That's just who's or Bella or Bella. Yeah. And those are your, those are the two. Maybe it's because they're not creating um, those iconic roles anymore. Exactly. They're like remaking uh, horror mm -hmm. that's already been done, or they're just not putting that much into building a villain that haunts us. Like so many of those did when we were kids. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of what I, I was saying. And I, and Eric, I think you kind of agree with that. Right. Um, well, and of course the trend seems to be right now is, is, as you mentioned, the paranormal activity, the conjuring, um, uh, what's the other one? Insidious, which isn't creating these roles or these characters. Yeah. They're creating uh, a mythos. And, yes. and and the conjuring it's more about they're trying to do it with annabelle which is actually getting a, i think another sequel god help us but uh, but the conjuring it's more about the good guys it's more about ed and lorraine which is great <laughs> i don't know about calling them good guys but <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's who that that that's more focused on but you're right i mean the the insidious movies it's more about the mythology Mm -hmm. Yeah, and but um, I brought Jessica in, and uh, I wanted I wanted to talk to her about her work as well, and it kind of feeds into this because I I would like to um you have some amazing works out there the books that you you're like a prolific author and <laughs> and Eric is 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 um our requisite book whore as well I'm a book whore but Eric kind of like trumps me on the book whoring I think um and that's in a good way that's a good. Being a whore in, in the instance of a book whore is a great thing. To I don't think how you could take book whore in any kind of negative way. I don't That's think so. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, there are so many things. Do you, do you, you know, whore yourself for books? <laughs> are you a whore? If whore I have to. Do you, do you pay books to have sex with them? <laughs> There's really no negative there. That's true. I think I, I, I agree. That's, that's a good point. Except for paper cuts, maybe. Ow. Eric, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it was just so good, um, but uh, I wanted to ask you because um, it's it's you you really do are you really are a prolific writer, and I actually own the the zombie um, the zombie uh, anthology that you're you're in there too, um, but I wanted to to find out from you yourself what got you interested um, at what age and and what really got your your imagination going to to want to become a writer um, growing up. Um, well, I think I was always, I was always playing make-believe and I was always, um, uh, exaggerating, I guess, uh, <laughs> whenever my parents asked me anything, it, it was never a simple answer. There was always a big story behind it that was ridiculous <laughs> that usually got me in trouble. 
Um, so I, I was always writing little things here and there and um, mostly terrible things. But uh, I was <laughs> I wrote a lot of horror in the fourth grade and <laughs> was told by some teachers to ta- tone it down um, that my wow. story was too gory. <laughs> So, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I definitely um always wrote uh, and was a storyteller. But when I was 19 or so, I worked in a perfume kiosk in a mall uh, for 11 hours a day and didn't uh-huh. sell much perfume. Uh, and I was right next to Walden Books. So I would go in and basically read a new book every day. And just one day, really, I, I don't think there was anything special about the day. I had just been reading a lot of Roald Dahl short stories and uh, Lovecraft. And I was like, eh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try my hand at writing some of my own short stories. And uh, yeah, I just never stopped. <laughs> it's just, I really just got super addicted to it. And um, I, yeah, I've been writing ever since. <laughs> Wow. So you would, what were your, like, and it sounds like um, the fantastic, the dark fantastical is really where your, your um, work lies. Cause you, you mentioned Roald Dahl and you mentioned Lovecraft is who, who inspires you? Um, yeah. Roald Dahl uh, short stories. Definitely. I, I love them so much. They're so twisted and delightfully horrific, uh, very much like Twilight Zone episodes. And I mean, I was always a big Twilight Zone fan. Um, Other than that, I mean, I'm just getting into reading a lot of new writers lately, or ones that are new to me. Uh, You know, people like Mercedes uh, Yardley and uh, and Paul Tremblay. And, uh, you know, I'm reading um, Bird Box right now by Josh Mallerman. So, I, I'm trying to get now inspired by just new people that are that already exist in my writing world, uh, because I, you know, I've, I, I I tend to be one of those people who, when I like a book from childhood, I just read that over and over and over again, and uh, I'm trying to not do that because there's a lot of stuff out there and it deserves my attention, and it's so inspiring to pick up another writer's work, especially somebody that I know or have met uh, at a convention or have met online. It's, it's so neat um, allowing them to live in my brain for a while and push me out of there. <laughs> nice. All right, everybody, my apologies, but due to the weather and technical difficulties, Jessica had to um, disappear on us, sadly, and hopefully she doesn't freeze to death tonight. Um, so... <laughs> Which is always a pleasant thought of our guests freezing to death, <laughs> not not due to our fault, but it's uh, it's unfortunate. So um, she will uh, she'll be joining us probably next week, hopefully, um, and we will continue our discussion with her. And Jessica, please stay warm, please, please stay warm, because um, we would like to have you back. Um, with that, that should be our new our new sign off whenever we have guests on. Thank you for being our guest this week. Please don't freeze to death. Exactly. <laughs> we may we may end up doing that. That may be our new tagline. Welcome to Fangirl Radio. Don't freeze to death. Ding. Um <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and go um into our final uh um section of the show this week, which is gonna be the really hard one for me. Really, really hard. I'm not going to ball. I've already cried my eyes out, and I'm not going to cry anymore. You might. 
don't you dare. I will hurt you. <laughs> I am not going to cry. Um, we're going to talk about David Bowie. And it's, um, it's one of those losses that happened so unexpectedly, at least for me. No one, everyone, actually, no one knew he was sick. Um, they had kept that very, very quiet. And the odd thing um, is the fact that I, I, I hadn't bought a David Bowie album in a while. And I just, something spurred me to buy Black Star when it came out. And it came out on his birthday. Um, and I was listening to it and it was just amazing. It's an amazing album. And to think, it came out later that he had six heart attacks while making it. Wow. And he kept making it. And uh, he knew that he was going to die. I mean, that he it's obvious. And if it's not obvious from the subject matter of the record, it's more than obvious with the video to Lazarus. And it's just a beautiful performance throughout the album. In the video, he wears his, um, his suit from um, The Man Who Fell to Earth, I believe it was that he wore that outfit in um mm -hmm. and uh or the it was one of either that or start the ziggy stardust i can't remember which one but someone did a comparison photo and it's the costume um but he in the sick bed and him feverishly riding away before he has time that his the times ran out for him it's just it's just amazing just an amazing thing and um it just it just hit me so hard that I wasn't expecting it um, to hit me as hard as it did until I really started thinking about all the things that I had grown up with that he was connected to. And I'm not just talking about Labyrinth. I'm talking about the music. I'm talking about the hunger. Um, just all the things that he had been involved with and touched and done. And the fact that I grew up watching this odd creature bring all this stuff to life you know he was the video guy he like i i it struck me you know just how and this is just going to be gushy and then i'm going to let eric talk but i'm going to i have to get it out he looked so unreal and he knew how to use his whole body and his face to hit you with with what he was trying to convey and uh he just looked so he looks so different and beautiful from anything else out there. And like videos, I, I just took my breath away the other day. Someone p posted a photo from um, the blue jean video of him with all that black, that blue makeup on and, and, and just, just stunning, you know, and his eyes that dual the dual colored eyes and and just his voice. No one has a voice like David Bowie, unless you're trying to sound like David Bowie. That's that's the thing. No one had sounded like that. Mm -hmm. And he had been around for so long because he started so young. And you wouldn't have the the new wave movement. You wouldn't have so many things if David Bowie hadn't done it. And the other part of that that um just hit me too as i was reading my friends reactions and because i found out about it after it had happened like the the next day and i woke to my friends list just being filled with photos of david Bowie, and i'm thinking 
Oh my God, no. No, 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 no. I can't start the year with this. Last year was already horrible. This this is not okay. And of course it's true. Um, but my friends, I have a lot of gay and lesbian friends and, and um, bi- bisexual friends. And, and it was it's not just sexuality, but David Bowie made it okay to be weird and different. And I have friends that, that had to deal with being gay or being um, bi or just not being normal, you know, to the, to the status quo. That David Bowie was the, um, you know, he made it okay. He made it beautiful to be different. And it spoke to all these young kids growing up in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and to today that it's all right to be different and be whatever you are. And it can be beautiful. And that's the other thing that he brought. And, you know, plus he was the Goblin King. <laughs> so it's just, it's just this, he just was so much. And I don't think a lot of people realized it until you have church bells in Germany. I think it was ringing out Major Tom. In, in unison to celebrate him, you know, it, not that he was Jesus or something, but just that he touched so many lives and so many places for so many years. And yet, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that you, you, you don't realize it until it's, they're gone, just how much they did. And he hadn't even been touring or creating really, He'd been releasing records, but he hadn't been in public for a really long time. You know, it had been a while. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why they were, I guess, no one really realized or thought about the fact that for over a year and a half, he'd been battling this horrible illness. And that's one thing that I I made a point of um, calling out in one post I made was, so many people made it out like he was this weakling, that he was so effeminate and weak-looking, this scrawny guy. And here he fought this horrible disease for a year and a half. And, like I said, fought back from six heart attacks. Yeah. And to create this goodbye gift for his fans. And in a way, to... um to make it less frightening. Mm-hmm. And I'm not crying. <laughs> Talk, Eric. <laughs> okay. All right. I was just letting you get it out there. I'm not going to cry. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt. I'm not crying anymore. Um, well, my earliest memory, uh, way, way, way back in the day when I was just a wee lad, um, we had shows like Don Kirshner's rock concert. Oh my god! I, I don't know if anybody remembers I that. Do. I'm old. And then there were there were some other shows, music shows that were on like late uh, Friday night or Saturday night. I don't remember the names, but there was one show, and this was before MTV, 
and any of that stuff, but they showed videos and things, music clips and different stuff. And the, what I remember most was that they always showed Alice Cooper and David Bowie. God, it's heaven. (laughs) Exactly. Whatever else they showed, I don't remember. I just remember Alice Cooper, who is one of my all-time favorites. Friday Night Videos? Yeah, that's the Ah! one. That's got to be it. Ah! I think so. Um, So Alice Cooper and, and David Bowie. And I was really, really, really young, so I didn't understand necessarily what I was seeing. Um, but the music, I mean, it was, it was the music and, and it was amazing music and, you know, it, it just drew me in and I didn't, again, being as young as I was, I didn't necessarily understand what he was singing about, but that voice and, and the kind of music that it was, the strange music that I had never heard before. Um, and so of course I, just had to keep listening as I grew and uh, became more mature and, and understood eventually what I was seeing and what he was singing about. Um, but that's absolutely one of my earliest memories of, of uh, uh, finding an artist, a musical artist to, to focus on um, because he was there every Friday night. I'm sure I, I'm almost positive that every week there was at least one Alice Cooper song and one David Bowie song. <laughs> it seems like at least that's what my memory tells me. Um, and then the other thing is, again, and this is just my impression, around the time that the movie Cat People came out, I don't know if resurgence is the right word, or maybe just there seemed to be a, a new swell in his career at that point. I think he went to um, different through those changes. He yeah. he went through, but he did. He, he kind of reinvented himself in these different. He did, and I think he brought more people in. You know, he he sort of garnered a new fan base, um, and it was just at the time it was really nice to see that that more people, younger people, were coming in and discovering. David Bowie, and hopefully going back and listening to the old stuff as well. Um, and uh, th- those are just the two the two biggest things that come to mind. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, the hunger. Now, Labyrinth, I saw for the first time just a few years ago. Wow, um, you poor boy! <laughs> I'm not I'm not a huge fan. Um, I loved him in it, and of course Jennifer Connelly. Uh, it is Jennifer Connelly, right? Um, yes, <laughs> is always <laughs> is always wonderful. But uh, yeah, not maybe because I didn't see it when I was younger. Um, wasn't thrilled with it, but I, I can't think of any performance, whether it was musically or or acting. Um, I can't think of any David Bowie performance that wasn't just fantastic, and. You know, he wasn't a traditionally handsome man, um, but there's just something about him. A twinkle in his eye and the way he would kind of had that crooked, knowing smile, it seemed. And just a charm uh, that that made him incredibly attractive, um, despite not his traditional, what one would call traditional Hollywood good looks. Uh, 
just yeah he he was an amazing performer um and uh yeah it's it's sad that we're not going to get any more david bowie well the other part of it is his influence on other people and the in, and and the fact that he was one of the first there there's a couple of things the one i love the fact that people are showing that footage of him being interviewed on MTV where he turned the tables on MTV and and this was in 1983 it was like in the 80s like mm-hmm. real early age of MTV and he asked them point blank he asked the guy that was running the show why don't you have more black performers on and he just looked at him like you know like what what's the deal why why is this you know I'm kind of bummed out by this you know where, where's because he was very he loved music Mm-hmm. And he loved good music, and he he had a, a love of jazz and soul, and 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 um, he he was asking him point blank, and they couldn't answer him really. They're like, "Well, we're trying to go." Uh, they gave him some BS excuse, and he's just looking at him like David Bowie, like, "Yes, you're full of <laughs> you're full of crap, and I know it, and I'm David Bowie, and you're not, and you'll never be, you know." Like, and, and that was the inspiration for Yo MTV Raps. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it was some lame excuse to do that. Like here, David Bowie beget Yo MTV Raps, but it you know he he also was the first to really embrace technology in one of the first ones. Like he and Prince both saw this whole techno the tech boom of music, mm-hmm. and he he was one of the guys that really embraced utilizing it to get his music out there. And he also was a huge, you know, not surprising. He loved sci-fi and he, um, you know, he and Iman both were in the Omicron game and did music for that game as characters, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it was kind of the thing that is tragic to me. And I, I really bums me out even more is, you know, he is the inspiration for Peter Capaldi's look in Doctor Who. Capaldi has said this, that he based it off the thin white duke. <laughs> that costume is because of David Bowie. And and um, he said, they asked Capaldi, because he's a huge Bowie fan, who would you like to have on D- uh, Doctor Who? And he immediately, David Bowie. So we could have had mm-hmm. David Bowie. And, and, and what's funny, and I didn't even know this um, until recently, was that David Bowie was supposed to be the villain in um, the Caves of Androzani episode of, of the fifth doctor's last swan song. Actually, he was supposed to be the bad guy mm-hmm. and they couldn't like the, the timing didn't work because he was on tour or something. Damn schedules. I know we could have had him as the guy that killed the fifth doctor, but you know, he, he, it's funny. People forget that he was a really, really good actor because mm-hmm. his whole thing was art. It wasn't just music. He even said that he kind of become a musician because he thought it was one of those things that was out of you know the norm. And it, it gave him a, a, an outlet to, to do this artistic way that he had of, of creating. And he he was so good. I just, he was on screen for maybe five minutes, 10 minutes in the, the prestige, but not just that he was in twin peaks, fire walk with me. He was in the last temptation of Christ. Um, Zoolander. He was in Zoolanders himself, (laughs) but you know, the man who fell to earth was amazing. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then uh, I, I always... I always forget this happened. I don't know why it needs to stick with me more, but he hosted, he was a horror host. Did you know this? No. He hosted the hunger TV series. I, you know, I've never seen that. It's very, very Skinamax after dark. Or have I? You may have. And but think- what was so cool about it was, you know, Ridley Scott, helped make it yeah but it's based you know that they called it the hunger even though it doesn't really connect to the film um but he came on and hosted it and he hosted the hunger he was a horror movie host you know i i think i may have seen an episode or two on chiller it's actually um i think it's on one of the streaming sites it used to be mm-hmm. and uh the whole I, se- I, series i know they showed it on chiller and I, I think I caught an episode or two. As a matter of fact. <laughs> now I've got him thinking. Isn't that funny? Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, think, I, think, I think that was the show that had a Graham Masterton story or two. Uh, all right. No, no, I don't want to get off on a tangent. Uh, but I, 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 think, <laughs> I think I have seen the TV show. It's, it's um, actually not bad. And I can't remember. It had a lot of of celeb like there's quite a few people that are now uh bigger artists that were that appeared in it because it was in 19 it started in like like right on the cusp of 2000 like 1999 and um it went for a couple seasons uh and it was one of i can't remember if it was i keep calling it skinamax cinemax or showtime i think it was showtime had it on it was one of those it was a cable network show um but yeah, he hosted that. Um, so I, I mean, there's really not much more you can say about him. He he was just kind of one of those icons of everything. He was good at all of it. Oh, absolutely. He was good at all of it, and it just kills me inside to lose someone like that. That I grew up watching. And I'll never forget, because I think the first time I saw him, I was four or five. That's when I remember shit, was when I turned like four, I think, was when my brain finally kicked in and I can remember things. But I was like four or five years old um, when uh, Ashes to Ashes came out. And I was watching one of those one of those music video shows, because we didn't have cable until I was in my teenage years. Um and it was one of those, it was on a grainy black and white television and that video where he's dressed like a clown, which is ashes to ashes, um, came on and I'm watching it and I just was transfixed like a four or five year old kid. And I just, it just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And then I kept seeing, I kept recognizing him. And then, you know, China Girl came on because it was the music videos that grabbed me because I, I, I was young. And that mm-hmm. was the the thing that you saw everywhere, and uh, it finally, cl- I finally clicked that this is a guy that I need to to know more about. And um, it was funny because my mom hated him. <laughs> of course, she hated him. Of course, he was weird. He was he was a weirdo. Like, um, but yeah, I just it's one of those things. He's one of those icons that I'm gonna really miss, but. <laughs> 
Well, we can bring this all full circle and tie it in with with the the Angus scrim discussion. Is there anybody now? That, <laughs> You're gonna make me cry because there's not. <laughs> you know, um, and and that's not to disparage any uh, modern new musicians, but really, is there anybody that's is, is there? an up-and-coming David Bowie or even an up-and-coming Alice Cooper or even Elton John or um, any of these. Um, I mean, the only guys that I can think that are on the level of Bowie in terms of, of <clears throat> what they do and what they create and what they're capable mm-hmm. of is Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might be. I mean, that's it. That's it. And that guy. To that sort of that, that group. That that kind of thing that I'm talking about, and again, I mean, there there are new bands and modern bands that I absolutely love, and there are bands doing weird things, but it's these these icons. Are we are we generating any new icons? I don't. Other than Prince. <laughs> well, he's and he's not new. I mean, he's been he's right. been around for just as long, really. Um, although he doesn't show any signs of age. At all. Not that David Bowie looked good right up until the end of me, but... So apparently um, purple is the key to immortality. Yes, or baby's blood. I don't know. I, I yeah, A little from column A, a little from column <laughs> Um, But, I, you know, that's the thing. I don't... You don't get guys like him that often. You know? You don't. Not not with what he touched and, and influenced and did and for how many decades he did it for. And and the levels of things that he touched upon with people and the ways he influenced people and and and, and helped people. It's it sounds like I'm talking about a religious figure. It's not in in terms really like that. It's just one of those things where he's an artist that gave people an outlet gave people someone to look up to and something to hold on to in terms of a message and music and, and just art. I mean, that's really all I can say about it. And, uh, I don't know of many people that can do that. And especially none that come to mind now that are the, you know, Channing Tatum. I'm sorry. I don't think that will work. Kim Kardashian. No, no, God, no. Well, no, Channing Tatum. Mm, yeah, no. We'll see what the Cohen brothers can do with him. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be that. God, can you imagine? With God, why couldn't David Bowie have been in a Cohen brothers movie? God, can you imagine? <laughs> Holy crap, that would have been fantastic. Um, But yeah, so, I, I mean, there's really not much more I can say. I've, I've, written poetry i've posted poetry cried my eyes out and uh that's all i got that's all i got left in me this one got me this one gutted me it's gutted me a lot and it came on the on the heels of losing one of my all-time great great loves last year in christopher lee and now i got this one taken and And the year has just begun, and it just really sucks. That's all I got. I still can't believe you have not. You just saw Labyrinth. 
I can't believe it's a that. few years ago. Hi, geez. I couldn't even do that to myself. A lot of people were doing that the day they found out he'd passed and I just couldn't do it. I just sat here listening to him saying and cried. That's all I did. <laughs> Me mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people. We did that. We did that. Um, but, um, you know, like I said in my um, in the poem I wrote um, that got my last cry out of me. Stardust and starlight never really fades because even when the star goes out, the light goes on forever because that's how long it takes for that light to burn out. And that's what I think. And a lot of people are like, it doesn't really feel like he's gone. And he's not. We'll always have the music. We'll have the music. We'll have what he created. And we'll have Mm -hmm. him as a a, uh, icon for us to live up to and look up to for not being afraid to be different. Amen. So there you go. Can't think of any way better to end this. And, you know, Angus and Lemmy, who we didn't touch upon, but, you know, like I, I love the thought of Lemmy meeting David Bowie going, you want to jam? like that cartoon that someone posted (laughs) and then heading off to find Freddie Mercury. That would be a fun night. (laughs) I gotta say Angus Scrim in the corner going, what the hell is wrong with you people? (laughs) This is not, I think he'd just be tapping his foot. He probably would. He'd probably be like, Hey, can I, can I cut in? Um, but yeah, so there you go. I, 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 I can't wait to get to heaven just so I can hear the band. Because <laughs> that's going to be awesome. That's going to be a real... My, my heaven is so freaky that I have in my head. <laughs> and that band is going to be great. Oh, my God. Look, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you had fun reminiscing and listening to me blather on and Eric blather on about the two people that we... Homage tonight, Mr. Angus Scrim, Mr. David Bowie. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we will have Jessica McHugh back on. Hopefully she won't be an ice cube. Uh, that's the goal. She's going to stay warm in her riding hut. That's what she says. Yes. Her, her, Don't freeze. Don't freeze, Jess. We'll, we'll have you back. Um, but thank you so much. And um, Godspeed, David Bowie, wherever you're going. Um, it'll be fun when you get there, I'm sure. So thank you again, Eric. Anytime. And this is Major Tom signing off from Fangirl Radio. Bye-bye.